0: Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company.
1: You ever heard of Cofield and Company out here every Thursday till September 1st, 3 to 6 p.m.? Man, we got a lot going on. It's a good show on tap. Jonathan Montoba filling in for Steve Cofield, Willie Ramirez alongside as well a lot to get to there's a lot of news coming down this is the best part about having a show at this time of the day is uh, a lot of news a lot of different things start to happen as the day moves along so as we get more stories coming in we'll actually add that to uh, what we're going to speak about because there's a lot there is a lot to
0: dive into Ari please if you could it's the three on cofield and company what's up bud what did you
2: say this is
1: Oh, it's a good point. It's a good point. Forgot that we were doing this. Uh, this now, Vantobo y los Vatos. Thank that's you. That's what we're doing. Thank Forgot you, about Roberts. that. Yeah. See that. Willie really reminded me about that. It's slipping. It's true. I'm sorry. You know, my Caucasian blood just took by, took over, and you know, all of a
2: sudden you're the lead and you forget.
1: That's right. Well, I could make a I can make a really like layered joke about like being the lead and the Caucasian blood taking over and you know stomping out the Vantobo y los Vatos thing, but it'd be too complicated to make. So what's I'm going on, man? You, you're looking uh, you're looking pretty tan.
2: I yeah. How you feeling? Oh, it's the one. It's the benefit of sitting outside in the deadly heat, watching Raiders all week, and
1: ah, you know. So joint practices with the uh, New England Patriots. The Raiders have been doing it this week. I want to ask your takeaways on this because I've been. I'm actually more fascinated about the Patriots aspect of things, but I'll get to that maybe a little bit later in the show. From the Raiders' standpoint of what this week has been like against the New England Patriots. Read some press clippings. Derek Carr was glowing about, uh, you know, practicing against a team, especially led by a guy who knows the head coach of your team, so there's some really good camaraderie there, right? You guys know how to go full bore without actually going full bore or taking care of each other from a health perspective. I'm being assaulted by a fly right now. So what's been the Raiders' takeaway here from camp at this point? What have you seen from them? How they looked against a, a live, actual team not named Las Vegas Raiders? It's a little scary to say because it's preseason, and
2: I hate to jump the gun, but the Raiders look pretty sharp. Um, but I have also been saying I'm not so sure that the Patriots came in playing 100%. Now, now, let me try to muddle through that. I believe that they're putting 100% effort into what they're doing, but I think that what they're doing is about 80% of what they're capable of doing. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So, so – You come off of a very temperamental joint practice session at home with the Carolina Panthers. Four Patriots were ejected over two days per a couple of the media members because the Boston media army was in town this week. A couple told me Bill Belichick laid the law down. The mad scientist, yeah. It was the Bunsen-Burners. Like disciplinary? Oh, yeah. yeah. He let them know. It's not going to fly in Vegas. Not going to happen. So I have to wonder if, you know, it was all sort of pleasantries if you will, and it it allowed the raiders to really exemplify what they've done with their off-season acquisitions and strengthening the offense. We saw Derek Carr. I mean, he was throwing some precision dimes. It was fantastic. I yeah. mean, we saw Devontae Adams at his best. We saw Hunter Ranfro doing what he does, you know, in terms of the little slants going over the middle. Um, I, I, I'm a believer of the, run, the running back room. Um, and I just think, you know, the, there's still the offensive line issues, but I think there were times where we saw – the secondary win battles. I think. I just think overall, if you were to say, like, who won the battles overall? When you watch one-on-ones, drills, when you watch 11-on-11s, when you watch seven-on-sevens, overall, who won? The Raiders. No. Yeah. But I'm not convinced that the Patriots brought everything to the field. With what they brought to the field, they put 100% effort into that. So take that
1: for what it's worth. You're one that can buy into the conspiracy theories. You want my conspiracy theory? Always. Bill Belichick. Why'd you send the fly over to I me? I know, right? I can't. You know, i got to say, because I'm, I'm one for derailments, uh, we had a family bonding moment yesterday. Me, my wife, my four-year-old, he's going to be four this weekend, my son, we spent 20 minutes hunting down a fly in our house the, the, like yesterday. It, it was a family effort, and that was the fattest fly I've ever seen. Don't worry. He's dead. But it well, took a really long time.
2: I shouldn't have wore the citrus cologne.
1: Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was wondering what the smell was. So my conspiracy theory. Bill Belichick loves Josh McDaniels and just throwing these joint practices because he wants him to have success.
2: So he threw the
1: run with Carolina because No 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 no. Don't throw logic at this. Just accept it. He's he's he has told his team, you said he laid down the law, he told him take it easy, guys. Let's let Josh have a good have a good week.
2: Okay. I, I could buy into that. <laughs> I 100% could buy into that. I just think that last week he, he had seen enough, and it's time to get no. to work and it's go out. And, but, you know, now I will also say this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if this week was the Raiders facility or if it was the Patriots facility. Really? Sounds to me like last year, from my understanding, the Raiders bust over to the Rams facility. They did what they had to do. They got back on the bus and they went back to the hotel. Any treatment, any food, whatever. Yeah. Whatever rooms, blocker rooms, hotel you blocked out, whatever. It was there. But out there on uh, Raiders Way, mm, mm, mm. I'm hearing, I'm hearing sources, I'm hearing. Patriots kicking back, lounging, enjoying the cafeteria, wow. which is not a cafeteria, a dining room, um, treatment facility. Bill Belichick even said he raved about. It. He goes, "This is the Taj Mahal of football facilities." My guys, they can walk off the field and into the weight room. Heard that one of the guys rolled into the weight room was making a smoothie.
1: Mac Jones, I, I, don't, I don't. He's know. more svelte, you know. He's probably in on the smoothies.
2: I don't know if it was Mac Jones. Oh, he knows. It's got to be like a – I think, now nah, someone's just bold enough, brazen enough to yeah. walk into the Raiders. The Raiders, bro. We're talking about the black hole. Walk into their weight room and make – that's got to be like a safety. Someone who hits hard.
1: Yeah. Somebody it'd be even more egregious if it was like during a meeting and he's like blending, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, hey, Sorry guys, I'll be I'll be in and out. Real I'll be quick. back. I'll
2: be back. Let me know if I miss anything. I got you.
1: We also saw the video of Bill Belichick and his barrel chest getting the UFC belt. Like they, yeah, I'm, yeah, to your that point, was, that was fantastic. They love it. I, I, all the footage I've seen from this week, it's kind of like all I've seen is like Patriot stuff. They're taking over. I think it has a lot to do with the amicable relationship between Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. I'm sure, but and and, and it's because, a rivalry. Let's and, go.
2: And because. The only availability required after the game is Saturday. Belichick yeah. with his media and McDaniels. I'm hearing the Patriots are going to be in town. There may or may not be a back room at a local facility rented out for some Patriots. Okay. I'll know more. Shocking. I'll... <laughs> and it's, it's one heck of a facility.
1: Okay. Let me know so I can show up. Hang out with the New England Patriots.
2: I, I don't want to do that. I just want the text and <laughs> a couple of couple of sly slyly taken photos.
1: Now there are there are a lot of positive vibes from both sides for the most part. But I said I'm, I'm, we're going to get to the New England Patriots angle for a, a, a little bit later in the show. It's been pretty negative for New England throughout the entire bit of training camp. Uh, huh.
2: Nothing. I'm just going. I'm just going to let you know that we have somewhat of some interesting breaking news. Okay. Re- right. revol- like re- re- regarding Darren Waller. Okay. All right. So you got to listen. you got to come back because I'm not spilling it.
1: Okay. Uh, But really quickly, Cowboys offense tackle Tyron Smith out until December. So this kind of ties in. You know, the offensive line has been a question for the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm -hmm. We get the um, increasing noise around Alex Leatherwood and what his status is going to be for this team. I read one uh, NFL analyst, one pundit, throw out there that do the Raiders try to ship off and get something for Alex Leatherwood Call the Cowboys and say, hey, you need an offensive lineman? We got one for you.
2: I saw you put that down there. That was pretty strong. Hmm. I I like it. Right? I like it for a couple of reasons. I like it because I still am of the belief that Alex Leatherwood deserves a shot, and I feel like he was thrust into his role too soon last year. Hmm. So this would be an opportunity for him. I, I think that he needs to, like, you know, these guys, Josh McDaniels comes in, Ziegler comes in. They have no loyalty whatsoever toward the, the, the roster was, that was here. And that includes Derek Carr. I mean, in a sense, you know who your starting quarterback is, but if they really wanted to go get somebody, they, they have no allegiances to them. Whatever they've done since they've been here, that's who they owe their loyalties to. So that being said, they made it no secret that everything's a competition, from the running back room to the offensive line to whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they've shuffled so many rotations and used so many different personnel on that offensive line in three preseason games that i feel like alex leatherwood when you talk to him when you you know i talk to him in the locker room after the game we've talked to him when he's come into the media room um, let's not forget that he's still a young kid and you know you come from a from a from town where, you know from a from a program like alabama Yes, I mean college is a ton more competition, but it's not the NFL, and you're in a position where you're the absolute best program in the nation. You're bullying people on the line. Now you're coming to the NFL as a rookie. Oh, guess what? You're going up against grown men, defensive tackles, defensive, you know, linemen. He gets down on himself. You could see it. He's a young kid, man. Mental health is. A, I've noticed. Uh, JVT, and I want to do a piece next week I think between the end of the uh, training camp and preseason and the start of it is we've seen so much vulnerability when it comes to these pro football players, this training camp guys talking about having to find faith guys talking about their mental health guys talking about getting down on themselves because they got too out of shape, too out of weight or too too heavy Um, I just think that Alex Leatherwood, you know he 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 probably beats himself up, and then he hears the outside noise and tries not to hear the outside noise. But it's difficult when you're a young grown man and you're thrown into a situation that he was last year to start. So I love it because if it's a if it's a position where they need someone and he can be used and coached properly and doesn't feel like he's being looked over and in competition, he can go in there and thrive. The positivity would help him.
1: Yep, positivity. Speaking of positivity, positive vibes around the Las Vegas Aces. we got a series set up against um, the Seattle Storm. How about this quote? They're not unbeatable. Noise out of Seattle. That uh, I would take that as bulletin board material, Willie. I would take it as bulletin board material. But uh, let's get a little bit more about this series. Crystal DeBlanc going to join us on the other side, play-by-play broadcaster, as uh, the Las Vegas Aces have, dare I say, a revenge series in front of them.
0: Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Racing Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino.
3: Just having a lot of fun, you know, and that's the one thing that they talked about, you know, all the players and the staff is Raquana Williams, baby, gets another one.
0: Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's, it's Cofield and Company. 117-80,
1: to the final score in Game 2. Las Vegas Aces, of course, put away the Phoenix Mercury and move on. And uh, that series with the Seattle Storm gets started this Sunday, Willie. You excited? You fired up?
2: I am. I've been fired up. I've been fired up because the top four teams are in there. And I was messaging with Courtney Williams of the Connecticut Sun earlier today. Look at you. Man about town. Connected.
1: Well, because... She's part I'll of tell the, you, I was texting with Josh McDaniels earlier, but I'll tell you about that later. She's well, here's
2: why. She's part of the Athletes Unlimited fam, and yeah. I w- and I did five weeks of coverage with them. So I was like, hey, you take care of Chicago, then you'd be out here and you know, we can say hi. She yep. was like, Bet. I'm with say less, is what she <laughs> says. Say less. <laughs> but you know who's coming on now hmm. is our proud play by play announcer. For the Las Vegas Aces, Krista Blunk joins us now on the show to talk Aces and Storm. Krista, how are you?
3: Hi, guys. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
2: There she
1: is. There I am. Here so, I Krista, am. I have uh, I have kind of slugged this for the Las Vegas um, <laughs> for the Las Vegas Aces. I've kind of slugged this as a, a revenge series. Hashtag Never Forget the 2020 mm-hmm. WNBA Finals. Uh, How much does that carry over in terms of uh, some of the bitter thoughts of what happened in that WNBA Finals?
3: Oh, there's no doubt that that's on their mind. I mean, they've talked about it, you know, throughout this season that they haven't forgotten, you know, that things were cut short, uh, much shorter than they wanted it to a a season ago. And, um, you know, as exciting as it's been to finish in first, and they they wanted to finish first, but they know that. That you don't just stop with the regular season, you know. It's it's a whole new season once the playoffs begin, and so um, I'm I'm glad that they took care of business um, and against Phoenix, uh, but now now it's the next. It's a big giant step ahead now against against the next the next uh, team up. It's Seattle,
2: and that is one of the things that is a little bit of a red flag for me, Chris, is because. We know what Phoenix has gone through, right? I mean, before the season began with Brittany Griner, then Diana Taurasi goes down, then Skylar Diggins Smith. I personally believe when she said, "I'm leaving the team for personal reasons," that she at that point thought that the Mercury were probably going to be done because they backed their way into a postseason berth. Yeah. Then they lose Petty in Game One, mm-hmm. and I mean, they they somewhat eased their way through. They had to win the way that they like they they won, dominating that's how they were supposed to win but Seattle beat the number 1 defense. I mean, Washington, mm-hmm. you could argue was as impressive as anybody else since the All-Star break, if not the best team. Um, when you come in battle tested, how much is that going to play a role?
3: Yeah, it'll it'll help. That's for certain, you know, you you you've faced this team now four times and you've proven the good thing I think with with this uh, matchup is that you've proven you can beat them at home. You've proven you can beat them away. But the other point is that they did lose one in Seattle. Um, the Aces did, and and they got thumped. I mean, they were never in that game whatsoever. And so I think the I think that you know no matter what league you're talking about, when you get into the playoffs, all these teams are really good. You know, and it it's every team is capable of beating every team. You know, at least at least a game. And so. When you have a series like this, I think it's going to be, you know, which team is the most consistent with enough games, you know, in order to get those wins. And um, this is not going to be easy. You know, Seattle is a veteran team. But when you look at the comparison between having to face Seattle and Washington, Washington beat the Aces in all three matchups in the regular season. There was something about the matchup with that team that they really struggled with. And so, I hope that they can figure out what the positives, what, what the key matchups have been that the, that's enabled them to take three out of four against Seattle, you know, going into, this, into the playoff run.
2: How badly will D'Erika Ham be, be missed? But I, I would imagine she, she looked a lot better the way she was walking and dancing and, you know, in game two and, and coming out off the bench. She, she looked better than she had been. But if she's not in, how badly is she missed?
3: Yeah. You know, they've, they've missed her. There's no doubt. I think that the positive is that they've had an opportunity and, and they were able to do it at least for a couple of games before the playoffs began to, to get some of the other uh, bench players in that hadn't played a lot and, and give them some opportunities. And we've seen you know an Illy repair come up and step up. I think that uh, Raquana Williams' role has stepped up some. You've seen Kirsten Bell have some solid minutes. Um, they've all kind of taken some turns of, of giving extra minutes. But you know, they're not a D'Erica Handy. I mean, they're they don't have her experience. They don't have her maybe athleticism. They're not quite the same as her. So they, they've absolutely, you know, missed her. I think that Kia Stokes has been fabulous. I think that um, her confidence has just continued to build and build, and she's doing she's doing it absolutely on the defensive end, as she always has, but now we're starting to see some from her and more confidence on the offensive end. Um, so, you know, dierica is absolutely missed, but I, but I do believe that um, – you know they they had to do it without her before the playoffs began and so i think that if nothing else it's, it's been a plus i think it's tough for d you know i hope that they can get her back but but with the kind of injury that she's had with the with the bone bruise on the knee it it's not as if she's been able to get a lot of cardio so uh, to throw her out in the playoff scenario when you're facing the toughest competition out there it, it won't be easy you know depending on when they're hoping to maybe get her back
1: So one of the uh, concerns we've seen from Las Vegas Aces has been production from the bench. And in game one, we kind of saw it against Phoenix, right? It was only eight bench points, not so much in game two. Mm -hmm. How much do we see this pop up, do you think, in this series?
3: Yeah, um, they're going to need it. You know, they're going to need it because Seattle is is much deeper with their bench. You know, they're they're a team that's also very experienced uh, with the bench. And so... Um, they, they don't go as deep as some teams do in the league, but they absolutely have gone deeper than the Aces. And I would say most teams have, you know, it's, it's funny throughout the season, we kept, we would always get the, the stat note that said, uh, you know, the other team was out at the bench without beating the other. And we we're like, this has been a common, you know, it's been a common, uh, stat stat, nugget every single game. Um, but now we're starting to see more and, and you're starting to see Becky Hammond go to the bench quicker. And. This pace is going to be intense. It's going to be physical. It's, it's a very different elevated level when they hit the playoffs. And um, she's going to need fresh legs out there, and she's going to need to get a much, a little bit deeper, I would say, rotation um, to give some rest to the key scorers and the key players out there.
2: On the other side, you talked about how Washington dominated Vegas. Uh, Chicago mm-hmm. has dominated Connecticut four games. They went 4 and 0, but. That's a tough Connecticut team that closed this season, um, you know, obviously in, in, a, in a nice little rush. They won five of their last six games. They won nine of their last 11. You're talking about players like John Quayle Jones, Alyssa Thomas, Courtney Williams, mm-hmm. ladies who, who know how to, you know, go get up and down but also play defense. They can get physical. Um, what do you see – in that series, with a team like Connecticut against the defending champs, I mean, I can't imagine that they, that Chicago can run the gamut and continue to stay undefeated against that team.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think that both teams are putting it together at the right time. They're playing some of the best ball. I think they're similar in that they have length, um, that, you know, they, they have some incredible uh, depth and experience. I think that Connecticut had been, in my mind, kind of underachieving all season. I think, I think Players like John 12 Jones maybe wasn't until finally the All-Star play. That was one of her best games I'd seen all season from her. She finally started to become the John 12 Jones that we knew. Um, but don't forget about Dewana Bonner either. Dewana Bonner did just about anything she wanted to against the Aces at home. And so um, I like the fact, again, between both of these teams, the Aces have proven they can beat these teams on at home and away. Um, but they um, they are capable of losing to both of these teams, too. But that series yeah. is going to be fun, the Chicago-Connecticut series. It's going to be a blast to watch because, to me, they're so similar with their length and their athleticism.
2: Yeah. Uh, Dewana was actually, I believe, the player of the game last night against Dallas, which and I was watching that game, and I was a little – a little, little yeah. sad to see uh, see my buddy Isabel Harrison, part of the Athletes Unlimited yeah. family, she went down early. That was a tough, tough break oh, for no. her. So hopefully she'll be okay. Yeah. Um, wait, so you, know, you really, talked that about... Could gone,
3: int- that could have gone a completely different direction if she... You know, they were... Yep. I really felt like they were in control, and had she not gone out, that we might be talking about the Dallas Wings instead of the Connecticut Sun.
2: Very dangerous with Vicky Johnson coaching and and, and the talent that she has. Because when they were here in town uh-huh. and I spoke to Vicky, she was like, "We got seven starters. We can rotate it. Yeah. In. We got players coming off the bench playing starters' minutes." So, yeah, Dallas. Yeah. Dallas was a dangerous team, and I thought that was a big hit for them. I actually tweeted that like, that'll be huge down the stretch. Yeah. And sure enough, Connecticut pulled away. Which team, if the if the Aces get past Seattle, which team do you think poses the bigger threat? Chicago or Connecticut?
3: Well, I think they're both fairly scary teams, obviously. Um, You know, I don't feel like the Aces know Connecticut quite as well. They faced them very early on. It was kind of an odd back-to-back kind of scenario where they played them twice in in a couple of days. And that was back in the end of May and early June. And then they faced them one more time um, in July, but they did get the win in Connecticut. Um, I I feel like something about Chicago, just their experience. They're the reigning champ. Um, they have, they're have, they just clicking. And they went through their little slump. And then when the Aces spanked them a bit in Las Vegas, they, they've turned things around since then. I think that was very eye-opening for them to finish up the non-conference. For, you know, I mean, the regular season, rather. And so uh, Chicago scares me a little bit more just because... You know, every single game that they played against the Aces, they were up at some point and in control. It felt like at times, and so um, you know, I think at this point, when you if you get to that scenario, both teams better be really good, and they will be. Um, but I guess I would maybe shoot for Connecticut uh, as as being uh, maybe a little bit better matchup if if there is such a thing for the Aces compared to Chicago.
1: Krista Blunt. Krista, we appreciate some time. What do you got going on? I know you have, uh, have a lot of irons and different fires with your job, so what's going on with you?
3: Yeah, I'm just I'm getting ready to jump into college volleyball this weekend. I've got some volleyball um, that I'm going to be covering and then some, some college soccer the weekend after, so I'm easing myself into fall sports and weaving in some playoff action to, to, uh, to uh, continue to get to watch and be a fan now, so... <laughs> it's been fun. And what a great playoff! It's really been fun to watch all the series. So.
1: Well, Krista, we appreciate a couple of minutes again. Thank you very much for the insight today.
3: Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate. It. I miss being there with everybody. So you'll, you'll have to you'll have to represent.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We miss you, Krista.
1: Right, thank you. the company you guys. live from Silver Sevens. Every Thursday, 3 to 6, that's until September 1st, and then uh, 2 to 5, how about that, September 8th, running through the football season. Happy hour right now, $2.77 pints, shots, and margaritas. Wednesday, great gas card giveaway, so make sure you check that out. There's a lot going down at Silver 7s. When we come back, speaking of greatness, the Los Angeles Lakers, they added a great piece, Willie, it's exactly what they wanted.
0: Enter to win your share of $10,000 in weekly prizes. Grand prize cash bonus up a million dollars. Sign up for the William Hill Pro Pick'em Football Contest by September 11th at the Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. That Bev trick y'all, man, like he played defense. He don't guard nobody, man. Just running around. As you've seen, what happened? 47. All that commotion to get 47. The trash talking doesn't bother me none. Nobody over there has done anything <laughs> that in this league that, you know, make me put my eyes up, like, oh, they're talking mess and Let me respond. No. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company.
1: Russell Westbrook with some kind words about his uh, new teammate, Patrick Beverly, Pat Bev Trick, y'all. And then, of course, uh, the clip and talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Nobody over there, when Pat Bev was with the Timberwolves, nobody over there has done anything that makes me really look up and realize that they're talking smack. And now they're going to be teammates, Willie. Isn't it great? Well, LeBron, you know,
2: he's, he's obviously working some wonders and doing, doing some good things for the Lakers, but uh, clutch sports isn't doing much for the Raiders.
1: it's it's a little ridiculous uh i call them the la clutch sports i mean it's exactly what they are now at this point right now um i will say that i think a lot of people like myself like to laugh at teams like the lakers when stuff like this happens when i say stuff like this i mean when you have your targets set so high i.e kyrie irving all offseason pretty much and then you have to settle clearly for a guy like patrick beverly and ship off taylor horton tucker and stanley johnson to get it done It's funny, but at the same time, I got to say I don't hate it. But here's the thing, and this is what makes this pretty fascinating. It's not just the dynamic between Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook, which is going to be interesting because they both kind of hated each other at one point, and maybe they still do once the season gets started. It's that, you know what, Willie? I think Patrick Beverly is an infinitely better fit on the floor with LeBron James and Anthony Davis than Russell Westbrook. If you're Darvin Ham, do you have the onions to look at this and go, you know what? Russ, I know we're paying you forty plus mil, but you're coming off the bench, buddy.
2: Gosh, that is such a bold move, isn't it? I mean, I guess we're going to find out when camp opens just how the. I mean, you're good. I mean, you have to see the chemistry. You have to see reactions, and I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you do you bring someone like Russ was? I mean, I guess with a, with a lineup like that, and and. With what we saw last season, I mean, you would understand it. It's, it's, the, it's the person and the money that's involved mm-hmm. that you're calling a reserve.
1: Right. I, I think if you're – I feel like if you can talk to Russell Westbrook, look, man, like I know you're going to come off the bench, but we're going sta- like, to stagger this where you got, you're just going to run with the two. It's like we'll have these two different units – We'll, we'll, we'll stagger minutes where you're going to play with LeBron, obviously, and stuff, and it's more entitled than anything else. We know that all the time, right? Guys who are starters in the NBA not are, aren't closers. They don't close out the games, right, i.e., like some centers in the NBA. So you'll, you'll start with the traditional center, and then he won't see the floor in the last five minutes of the game.
2: Yeah, and I think Russell Westbrook's the type of guy, like, if uh, we just got done talking to Chris DeBlanc, I was talking about someone named Isabel Harrison, who— uh-huh. You know, she might be the sixth or seventh person for the Dallas Wings, but she plays starter minute. Like, she's in, like, 26, 27 minutes. So, Westbrook would be that type of player, and and if he's got the hot hand, he's going to end up staying in the game. Right. He just, you know, he's just
1: not starting. It's just a matter of, if you're talking about a three, a trio of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, or Russell Westbrook, or LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Patrick Beverley, from a basketball fit, Patrick Beverly's just much better. He's yeah. a he's a solid on-ball defender. He'll hit the occasional three. He's not a high-volume guy, so he's not going to take away attempts from Anthony Davis or LeBron James. It's just if it's just such a better basketball fit than Russell Westbrook. Well, is. and I think the, the
2: first the first point you made is what's important is defender. Yeah, and I think that that's something that you know with this team that they need to make sure that they they are stout at the defensive end. It's
1: when they won their title, right? Yeah. And, the, and yes, if people want to point to the bubble, they were a top three team in terms of defensive efficiency, and Vogel had them playing extremely well. So there's the basketball aspect of it, and then there's the personality aspect of it, which is these two really just don't like each other. Patrick Beverly actually went on a couple of spots, including J.J. Reddick's podcast, so the Pat Bev trick y'all comment that we played coming in, yeah. Uh, Pat Bev actually spoke to that when he talked to JJ Redick. He said, like, yeah, but people around the league actually believed in it, and they started coming at me, and they started thinking that I wasn't a good defender, and they started talking to me, and that actually affected my career. There's, like, legitimate hate between these two. Russell Westbrook was injured because of Patrick Beverly on a play in a regular season a couple of years back, and the injury that, like, kind of followed him around for a little bit.
2: Yeah, knee injuries are no joke. Right,
1: you know what I mean? So that's what—that's the other aspect of it. It's not just the basketball thing, and that's what makes that first point really interesting. Not only is Pat Bev the better fit, but would Russell Westbrook deal with being benched for the guy who he really dislikes and vice versa? Well,
2: it, it's really, I mean, when you say will he deal with it, it's really not his choice. It's a matter of, you know, this is not, he doesn't, it's not like he's the star. He's not the franchise. He's not the, you know, he's not the guy. You know, he's been brought into other places to be the guy. He was come in, he came in to play behind, if you will, LeBron and AD. Now, if he's the fourth guy, he really doesn't have a say. It's not a matter whether of you, whether you're okay with it or not. This is what you're going to do, and if you don't like it,
1: well, too bad. All right, so I'm going to ask you a question to ponder while we connect with Xavier Pope here in a couple of minutes. In your entire life, all the jobs you've had. Mm. Have you ever had to work with someone you've had a legitimate beef with? I want you to think about that for a minute. Because okay. I'm sure you've had a long and storied career and many jobs. I can think of one right away. Besides was, Cofield. Besides Cofield. Okay. There was a screaming match with Cofield. But I can think of one right away where actually the beef, and it was a short-lived beef, but resulted in the guy actually walking out and quitting his job.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. host of suit-up news, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope. He is live on Cofield and Company.
1: You heard it. We're live at Silver 7's, by the way. Xavier Pope with us now. Jonathan Toble and Willie Ramirez. I'm filling in for Steve. Xavier, Steve has... Hmm, do I say this? He took a day off. That's vacation. He has a fantasy football draft that he's got to take care of right now. So, he, did, he left us in charge.
4: He took the day off to a fantasy football team
1: it's it, I don't want to give out too many details but it's like a big deal every single year people come into town you know what I mean he, he actually Steve actually has friends that might be surprising
4: I'm shocked that Steve has friends um but uh, I think people may be there he yes paying him sponsor what's the deal
2: just just know Xavier that with him and Adam absent the actual starting lineup is in the house for the upcoming Cofield and company flag football team Look at that. Yep. Okay. The franchise right. guys, not to mention the key components for a Cofield and Company in general.
1: Right, yeah, well, Essentially, the spine of Cofield and Company. That's yes. us. Uh, I'll I ask feel you like this.
4: every time I'm with you two, you guys are
2: always puffing
4: yourselves up and putting Steve down. It seems well, to be like the thing.
1: In reality, what it is, is I lack a lot of confidence. And so I've got to, in some way, you know, kind of build that up. And when Steve's not here and he's not listening, I can totally talk smack without any repercussion. You know what I mean? And
2: I personally am just do all that I can to give Ari open freedom to have promos throughout
1: the week. Oh, okay. Smart man. So let's start. I want to start with something a little bit lighthearted before we get to some of the more serious stuff. And I saw you retweet this just a couple of minutes ago. Um Willie wants to ask a legitimate like lawyer question about this. I'll just ask the, <laughs> the clearly obvious thing, which is how awesome was it watching moms tackle their kids uh, in full pads with this high school out in Illinois? I,
4: I was wondering whether they would get MTE. Um, uh, so I, that was that was my thing with moms bashing their head against their kid, the kid I'm like, oh my god, yeah, it, it looked fun. It looked, it, like you know you get to, you get to the dunk tank you will dunk you down. Um, it was kind of like a situation like that but like, a football version of it. Um, and some of those mobs were, like, flying, like, they were, yeah. like, yeah. like parallel to the ground, like, just launching themselves into these kids. Uh, so they uh, much-needed a uh, little uh, 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 let loose for those ones. <laughs> I-,
2: I thought it was entertaining. It was just – I think it was the third lady – she went helmeted. The kid's neck snapped back. And I'm thinking, Jesus, what if something happens? Like, would the school be liable? Who would be liable in that situation where, okay, moms, we're going to have a fun mom's day, strap it up, and then all of a sudden somebody gets hurt?
4: Yeah, I think that also depends on you know, the nature of the waivers that were signed by those moms also, um, whether, whether they really could appreciate the danger of, of that day and whether that waiver truly really actually covers that. So there are a couple layers of the legality of it, um, even if those women seem to be friendly at the time. Somebody gets hurt, and that's when the lawyers come in.
1: So, Xavier, we get news, of course, it comes down to the more serious stuff. Federal jury awards $31 million in damages um, to Vanessa Bryant uh, in regards to this lawsuit around the uh, pictures of the Kobe Bryant crash. So can you walk us really quickly like through the ruling here? Because I, I found it... Uh, somewhat interesting when you look at like the logic behind this, which makes a lot of sense. Essentially, it was not that the photos got out because I, I don't think they did. It was the fear that the photos got out, and thus the the cause and what it did to the Bryant family.
4: Well, it wasn't just the fact that it had. It was there were certain layers of damage. So it was the nature of the pictures themselves, um, and the fact that they had no investigative purpose whatsoever, and then they were taken for the. If you're taking that picture, you're taking that picture for the purpose of it being shared in a way that was gossipy. So there are several layers. You, you, you took the pictures you weren't supposed to take, and you took them for the purpose of doing something really nefarious with it. And then you did it, and even though it wasn't to the extent that the whole public saw it, it was enough to bring the fear into and, and Vanessa Bryant that she couldn't sleep at night. Um, you, know, you, you saw her reaction after court. This was something that was severely, mentally, emotionally damaging for her to lose her husband and to lose her daughter and have people try to take advantage of it. Um, This is a fair ruling, and I'm so glad this happened. Um, This never happened to anyone again. It was a terrible situation.
1: So what came from this, too, for those who don't remember, back in September 2020, uh, Gavin Newsom actually signed an invasion of privacy bill. They called it the Kobe Bryant Act. It uh, makes it illegal for first responders to share photos of a dead person at a crime scene. Quote, for any purpose other than the, an official law enforcement purpose, misdemeanor crimes punishable by up to $1,000 per violation. I feel like that's not steep enough for an act like this. If you're, if you're taking pictures at a crime scene not for right purposes of law, and willing to share them. It's just a, a misdemeanor and a $1,000 fine. I feel like this should be steeper.
4: I think it definitely should be steeper. Um, there, there are several laws in the book that comes up about a, a official misconduct. Um, it's pretty amorphous standard in various jurisdictions. I, I've always said that if you go past a certain level of professional conduct as a police officer, it should be a criminal offense, and it should be chargeable. It's much more steeply than we're, we're seeing across the country various um, things that happen to law enforcement. We saw this in the uh, Brianna Taylor case. We had the um, uh, investigator lie uh, about the warrant that led to her death, and only getting a conspiracy charge that she, uh, she was uh, by, she pled guilty to instead of maybe a felony murder charge. There needs to be more specific laws in the book that criminalize behavior to be able to protect the public from such as these.
1: Also, I'm kind of amazed that this wasn't considered before September of 2020. You know, like I get that it's a it's a case in which, oh, hey, maybe we didn't think about this, but with the growth of phones, right, and cameras and phones, things like that, I was amazed to find out that this is just like a recent thing that we kind of had to deal with. I would have figured that this is something that would have been kind of understood, but also something that was actually written down in law for lawmakers and those who enforce the law to kind of consider when it comes to crime scene handling Yeah, it,
2: it
4: was kind of a something that – Took all the different components for it to happen, right? Of Kobe yeah. Bryant, one of the greatest Lakers ever, who are in the city of Los Angeles. I mean, for that to happen, uh, and so, uh, and 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 the impact of the daughter and everyone else. So, I mean, there was another family that also got awarded fifteen million dollars. Just to bring that up as well, uh, and so I just think that you know it's unfortunate that it's happened. Um, it, it definitely is a verdict of this size makes it less likely to happen, and the law does come a little bit seemingly a little bit late, but something has to be done.
2: So, Xavier, um, sounds like Dennis Rodman will not be going to Russia after all. He came out last week and said that he was going over to do what he could to get Brittany Griner out of prison. The U.S. government denounced the involvement.
4: Yeah, I mean, of course you are going to announce the involvement if he's not an official a member of the U.S. government. And then in Dennis Rodman, uh, I think that we also have to think about people um, in the news want to have something to say, get attention. Dennis um, Rodman married himself um, and had really, really colorful hair, hung out with Kim Jong-un. So I think that we have to remember that the type of character is that's not someone that U.S. government wants representing them. Uh, in very intense situations, involving a basically uh, virtual adversary at this point in its invasion of Ukraine and holding Ricky Griner.
1: Yeah, it'd be kind of in a tough spot. What if they were just like, hey, you know what, Dennis, how about you stay over here too? I think we found you in violation of a crime. So now we're going to take you as well.
4: I mean, yeah, he also puts his, his, himself in a situation like, right. you know, you, you, don't, you don't know what's going to happen when you enter a foreign country. Um, yep. And he, he, they may be friendly to him now and may not be friendly to him when he gets there. I mean, it just, it's a reckless thing to even attempt
1: to do. Yep. All right, really quickly, uh, last couple minutes with you. Let's talk about actual basketball stuff. Uh, Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook, we were talking about this dynamic. <laughs> I saw you tweeting about it a little bit. What do you make of this addition and the relationship now between these two?
4: Well, you know, Russell Westbrook once said that Patrick Beverly is fooled. All the report, sports reporters, he just runs around the court doing nothing. I think that's one of the funniest posts ever. Now these two guys are playing because they don't like each other at all. Um, but you know what? They're are characters. You can you can see during the season them getting two in on the bench, and another time like kissing each other in the lips on the sideline.
1: <laughs> Lakers down like twenty in a primetime game against the Jazz, who have like you know like thirty losses, and they're sitting there screaming at each other.
4: Scre- yeah, exactly, screaming at each other. You know, in another another scene, you see them tongue kissing each other. I pro- you, know, you never know these these just oh right. wild guys, man. Put them together, and in Pencil Town, you never
1: know. Xavier, what's going on on suit-up news? What, uh, what do you got in store for us?
4: Just film the latest episode talking about uh, student loan debt relief, and uh, check it out, latest episode drops. Tomorrow I'll go to Xavier Pope, at E-X-A-V-I-R-P-O-P-E, hashtag uh, suit-up news, to watch this latest episode as drops.
1: All right, Xavier, I appreciate the time. And before we go, I want to let you know, so next time you're on with Steve... Every time you sign off, you say I love you guys. I need you to stick around so that Steve will say it back to you because last time I was on with the both of you, you hung up and he gave a brief like, I love you too. I want I want you to receive it from Steve. <laughs> done
4: and done. It was, right, it, I, will, I will absolutely that. No, I'm, I'm there for I'm, I'm there for it and I'm here
1: for it. <laughs> Good to talk to you, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Love you, guys. Love you too. See? It's not that hard, Willie. Are you an anti-love-you guy? No. no. It's funny you say that because uh,
2: I'm a big motivational text guy, and I sent about 18 to people today just said, hey, send them positive vibes. Love y'all.
1: See, I do that. I, like, I got a buddy who I say every time I talk to him. I'm like, Absolutely. love you,
2: man. Have to. See, it's okay to love people, man. It's okay.